Every year in the NFL, it's a new team. As far as goals go, we have one. Putting a ring on our finger. Welcome to the Buccaneers Observer Podcast. This is Ralph Phillips. I'm Molly Bay. Today is February something, 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 17th, 2021. We are, gosh, what, a week and a half away from Super Bowl victors? Yep. Yeah. Yep. I tell you what, man. It's it's really weird. A uh, couple of things. One, after I finished watching this All-22, I was so excited to do the podcast. I mean, I was just like, I can't wait to do a podcast. I got so much to say. And that was what, a week ago? <clears throat> yeah. And now I'm just like, I, well, it's, I don't have that excitement. <laughs> and I don't remember all the exciting stuff I was going to say. It's really disappointing to me. Also, as our fan base... It's almost like we have forgotten that we just won the Super Bowl. I mean, I still see people talking about it, of course, but we moved on. You know, it's like I, I saw a tweet the other day, a perfect example. It was a New Orleans Saints fan. He was like, uh, you Buck fans, it's a week later and y'all are already talking about the draft. You know, in New Orleans, when we win the Super Bowl, it lasts for a month. You know, yeah. We're partying in the streets and everything. And I was like, yeah, you know, it's. That's a, I remember that with the uh, 2002 Super Bowl, too. It just seemed like immediately we were back into the same grind of being pessimistic Buck fans. Yeah. You know, we're already season. talking about who we're going to leave off the team and, you know, we're going to draft mm. and all that good stuff. It's like, uh. Well, I will say they did party pretty hard. Oh, right yeah. after the Super Bowl. Yes. So maybe New Orleans, you know, they stretch it out a month, but I think in Tampa <laughs> they did a month's worth of partying in twelve hours. So <laughs> this is true, yes, and we have the video evidence to back that mm-hmm. up as well. Mm-hmm. Um the All right, a little interruption there by the youngin. Uh, we got a good podcast for you tonight. I was going to say it was great, but like I said, the <laughs> enthusiasm <laughs> level is quite diminished. Uh, we've got some Bucks news. We're going to cover the All-22 from the Super Bowl that we won. Mm-hmm. And I want to start it off with bad news. You know, it's something that's kind of had me depressed for the past couple of days. You know, Vincent Jackson was found dead, our wide receiver, number 83, uh, Found dead in a hotel room. Completely shocking. And it was a real kick in the nuts. Uh, he was one of the greatest people that have ever has ever played on the Buccaneers. He's somebody that me and Molly just really liked. Mm-hmm. When he was brought here and we got Mike Evans, I remember it was called the, the Twin Towers. Mm-hmm. You know, because they were both basically the same style. You know, the big, tall, physical guys. You just throw it up and they're going to catch it. And he was an outstanding guy off the field. Uh, you know, he did a lot with the military. His, pa- his parents were military. Uh, he's he heavily entrenched in Tampa. I mean, he when he moved there, he just became like the epitome of a Tampa football player. I mean, he just put roots in. He had many businesses. Cask Social, I remember, mm-hmm. was one of them. Uh, he's doing real estate. Had real estate I followed him on Instagram. And he still kept up with all his military charity work, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was not fake. It wasn't for show. 
he was dead serious about all that good stuff. And he would just seem like a, you know, I mean, we never met him, but he just seemed like an awesome, awesome human being. And it was completely shocking, completely shocking. And the circumstances behind it, we're going to get into a little bit of speculation here. Here's what has been relayed so far. Uh, he was found deceased in a hotel room uh, near his home. Right, it was the same same town, right? Oh, same area. Same area. Mm -hmm. uh, he'd been there since January 11th, and there was no signs of foul play or trauma. But he, you know, deceased. So at 38 years old. At 38 years old, healthy. You know, as far as we know. You know, the guy was completely healthy. So uh, it's very strange, very strange. Now, he did get a couple DUIs when he was at the Chargers because uh, we we, dra we traded him, got him from the Chargers. And uh, he had two DUIs there, but he never had any issues when he was with us. Now, the reports are out that, you know, that they're saying he, he was an alcoholic. Uh or that he had problems with alcohol. Uh, we never saw any instance of that when he was on the team. Uh, you know, he did have a couple businesses that were alcohol related. Like I said, Cast Social is a bar in Tampa. You know, uh, my first thoughts when I saw that he was in a hotel in his hometown or, you know, in the, near his house when, since January 11th was you know, family issues. Mm -hmm. There was... That's what I thought, too. Yeah. And Molly said, you know, when we were talking about it, she was like, these, they're going to bring up CTE somehow. You know, Like immediately. Are. Immediately. And they did. Well, here's the thing. That sheriff came out and did that radio interview and said the family said he had issues with alcoholism and they suspect CTE. And now... Since he's done that interview, the family has come out and said he's not a representative for us. He does not speak for us. And then the sheriff's office has kind of had to walk it back and said it's going to take months probably for an autopsy. But, you know, a lie travels half, halfway around the world before the mm -hmm. truth straps its shoes on. So that's what everyone's going to think. Yeah. And I think everyone was kind of going to jump to that conclusion anyway, especially when someone that young um dies suddenly and tragically like that yes <clears throat> uh, if you're not aware we did a whole podcast on cte when did we do that was it, it was last ago? off season last off season okay yes yeah, so there's a book out called brainwashed by merrill hodge hodge uh that we there's just fantastic information about it uh to to I don't want to say we're not big believers in CTE, but we we feel the same way as the book that it's quite a bit overblown. Uh, so, you know, take it with a grain of salt. I, you know, I doubt, I doubt very seriously if CTE was a contributing factor in his death. You know, I had a family member die of alcoholism, and it was kind of the same way. But I mean, this this guy drank. He binge drink for uh, fifty years. You know he would he would disappear for a month a month at a time, about every six months, and he would could just just drink and 
get silly drunk for a month straight. And we found him dead. Uh, you know, just walked in the house. You know, we, we couldn't get in contact with him, walked in the house and he was dead. Uh, so, you know, it does happen. Uh, it's, it's, it's a terrible thing. You know, he didn't show any outward signs of having health issues. Uh, he was older, but, you know, he just he just died. It was, I forget what it was called, but it's basically his organs just gave up on him. Yeah. So it does happen. Uh, you know, if, 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 if you were to stick a gun up to my head and make me say what I think it was, I think it was family issues. There was probably, you know, uh, the marital problems, you know, and that was probably a contributing factor. It wouldn't surprise me if, you know, my first thought was suicide. You know, mm-hmm. I, me I, too. I, I see it happen with guys so much, you know, where th- with this happens, you know, they get separated and you know, they get basically kicked out of their house and they just spiral into depression and then make a permanent s- solution to a temporary problem. But uh, our, our, our best goes out to, his family, you know, I just, just really kind of had me down the past couple of days. Uh, I just hate to see it. Yeah. You know, just really do. And you just never know what kind of demons people carry with them. Exactly. Exactly. You know, you know we see, we see a veneer of these people and it's a, the usually fake, you know, it's something they put through PR and focus group or whatever. And, you know, so we don't, we, we never really know what these people are like, but he, he did seem to be just a genuinely good guy. And, you know, I, I hope it wasn't a family thing because, God, that would just be horrible for the family, you know, to think that they had any, uh, any reason to be a contributing factor. But, you know, he was there since the 11th, you know, he's in a hotel mm-hmm. in his home in town. And they called somebody because they couldn't get in touch with him. You know, my first mm-hmm. thought was, why wouldn't you go there? Mm-hmm. You know, it just, uh, it just seems obvious to me that there was something, something going on. You know, where there was tension. But hey, that's just speculation, completely speculation on my part. I probably shouldn't even be talking about it, but we do a podcast where we talk about stuff. So, Molly, anything? Um, yeah, I just want to say with, um, alcoholics, so like it runs in my family too. And, uh, you know, you just, you never know what kind of demons people carry with them and Mm -hmm. everyone copes in different ways. And so, you know, for some people, alcohol is that way. Yeah. I've got a really good friend who's an alcoholic, strangest Mm -hmm. alcoholic I've ever met. And I've met quite a few. He's one of those guys that is, uh, more capable when he's drinking, you know, like when he's driving, he's an excellent driver when he's been drinking, <laughs> but when he's not drinking, he's a horrible driver, <laughs> you know, and, and it, it applies to everything in his life. You know, it's, it's, it's very strange. He's, he's, I would say a totally different person when he's not drinking, but it's definitely a more enjoyable person when he's drinking. Remember in the days when, you know, um, my family member, you know, they're from a very, very small town and your family uh, members member. Well, yeah, (laughs) the one in particular I'm speaking about, um, they were in a very small town and, you know, he would be drinking and then driving home back when there wasn't so much stigma, Mm -hmm. you know, seventies, eighties, nineties. And 
he'd get pulled over and they would just follow him home. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how it used to be. Yeah. yeah, I think at one point he did lose his license, or maybe didn't have a car and would drive to the bar on the lawnmower. <laughs> so it was the right lawnmower. I mean, yeah, <laughs> country people. <laughs> um. But yeah, it's it's really sad. I remember when we signed VJAX, it was like kind of a, a big free agent signing early on in my yeah. and, fandom. And and we said, and I said, he was the best free agent signing we had ever had up to that point. And he was just an f- outstanding football player for mm-hmm. us. Yeah. And he was a bright spot on a team that was just not very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. That was... So. I think didn't he come on with Shiano yeah, and I then say with Shiano, yeah. uh, he got Shiano got fired and then I I want to say he played a year with Lovey because that's when Mike was drafted and um, then but then he became a free agent and you know we never resigned him and he just retired yes and and we talked about that quite a bit how he just kind of disappeared and though and. Tampa didn't really make a big deal about it. You know, mm-hmm. it was like he just one minute he's a he was a big contributor to the team, next minute he's gone and we had moved on that quick that nobody really talked about him. And I found that very strange because he did contribute greatly. I think he great, greatly contributed to Mike Evans's ability mm-hmm. uh and you know kind of helping him come into the league because if you don't remember, Mike Evans was kind of rough when he came into the league. Mm-hmm. You know, he had uh caught on video fighting at the bars over with girlfriends and stuff. He uh, cost us a couple games because of his attitude. You know, one time I remember once he acted like he was hurt and it was a fourth in the fourth quarter. We had uh, like 12 seconds left and he fell down and acted like he was hurt. And of course, you know, they had to blow the whistle, run 10 seconds off the clock and we lost the game because I mean, they, they called the game right there because he had, Falling down like he was hurt. Uh, so you know, I, I think uh, Vjax, you know, was a was a big part of why Mike Evans is the player he is and the man he is. I don't I don't know that for sure, but it seems like it. it Vjax's attitude seemed to transfer to Mike Evans's attitude as Mike Evans has played in the league for, for a couple of years. He definitely got more. Because Vince, Vince Jackson was very stoic. That's what I was you know, just about to Mike say. Mike Evans has become very stoic. I agree. Yeah, he just had a strong, very stoic presence mm-hmm. about him, kind of the strong, silent type. Yeah, yeah. Mike Evans used to, you know, he used to get trouble in the field all the time for getting all upset and fighting with guys. And you know, remember every time he caught the ball or didn't catch the ball, he was getting up in the refs' faces and wanting flags. Uh, you know, so. But then Vjax left. We didn't re-sign him, and you know, no big deal was made out of it. It always bothered me. Yeah, kind of I agree. Uh, Ira Kaufman has called for, at least I think it was Ira Kaufman, has called for Tampa to put his number in the ring of honor. Uh, you know, don't know how that'll work, but <clears throat> it's a nice, nice sentimental idea from Ira Kaufman. Yeah, some some kind of gesture. Mm-hmm. So now that we've completely depressed all Gosh, our I'm listeners, I'm like super depressed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it was. I I was in shock when I read it. I at first, you know, I had to look. I, I was like, this has got to be a joke. You know, somebody's pulling a prank here. But yeah, man, you know, guys, the, the good guys like that. They say the good die young. You know, stuff like that happens. 
to Vincent Jackson, and then you know you've got uh, what what was that tight end's name with the sex doll? Oh, um, Kellen Winslow Jr. Kellen Winslow Jr. You know they're they're still alive and running, mm-hmm. causing trouble. Mm-hmm. He's in prison, right? Doing should be. Yeah, I think he's doing like twenty years or something. Yeah. So anyhow, hey, let's move on to some more positive stuff. Something. Okay. Something do you want to go through news living. first, or do you want to do the um, review uh, on the uh, game film? Yeah. It's, I don't know. Uh, let's do, let's do the game film. Okay. Let's do it. Yeah. All right. I went through the uh, Super Bowl Fifty Five game film. In case you didn't know. I got four videos out of it. The last two were a little short. I I finished the, the thing. I had about 16 minutes left or about 16 minutes worth of video. And I was like, God, I got to, I can put this out, but it's kind of long. So I'm just going to ch- make it into two things. I, I don't know if that was a good idea or not, but it is what it is. Uh, there was a lot going on in this game. Uh, gosh, I, I wish I had the energy. <laughs> and the excitement that I did for the, the couple days after watching this. Well, we're both kind of sluggish today, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we've been napping all day. Mm-hmm. So, there all kinds of storylines coming from this Super Bowl. You know, you the, the, the probably the biggest storyline is the defensive line is dominating their offensive line and harassing Patrick Mahomes the whole game. That's what I've heard about the most. Uh, then there was the other storyline about penalties. Uh, you get that from the Kansas City Chiefs fans mainly. That's what I would say too. Like if I lost like that, I'd be like, "Yeah, it was the refs." Oh yeah, it wasn't yeah. that we sucked. Right, <laughs> right. And and I want to bring that up. Uh, so you say was it that we sucked? I'm watching this all 22, and like in the first quarter, probably about. Three quarters of the way through the third quarter, I was like, man, these guys are not playing good. Kansas City looks like crap. I was like, they didn't bring their A game. They did not bring their A game. And I noticed it right off the bat at the opening kickoff. Our guys were jumping up and down and you know, just highly energetic. And their guys weren't moving. They were just standing there. And I was like, wow. And it was like that all throughout the game. I mean, our guys had a crap ton more energy than their guys did. But I'm sitting there and I'm watching, you know, and I'm getting, I'm like three quarters of the way through the first quarter. And I'm like, this is another team that didn't bring their A game to play us. And then I went, wait a minute. Hold on, hold on, hold Mm -hmm. on. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The odds of that happening are almost nil. I know. At a certain point, it's like, maybe it's not them. Maybe it's it's us. It was us. It's us making these teams look bad. And... Gosh, I really wish I would have written all this stuff down and had it better prepared. But this All-22, I've watched All-22. I I can honestly say that I've watched more game film on Buccaneers than probably anybody alone. You know, there there hasn't been a coach that's been tenured long as I've been a Buccaneers fan. (laughs) And there hasn't been a player that's been tenured as long as I've been a Buccaneers fan and watching all 22, I started watching all 22 the day it was available to us plebs. And, you know, I don't, I don't just pick out plays. I watch every player on every play, you know? So 
I've watched more game film on the Buccaneers over the past decade. I think it's been over a decade than anybody on the planet. <clears throat> and I can honestly say this. And I'm going to, I'm going to jack it up twice here. I can honestly say this, that team I watched in the Super Bowl 55 is by far the best Buccaneers team I've ever seen by far. I'm going to jack it up. Now I don't watch a whole lot of other teams and I haven't, but I do watch other teams. Before we play a game, I'll normally sit down and watch game film on the, our opponents. And then, like I said, uh, when we were getting ready to play K Kansas City for the Super Bowl, I watched every single All-22 game film on Patrick Mahomes that I could get. So I watched three years' worth of games in All-22. So I knew a lot about the Kansas City Chiefs going into this. So – my point being is I don't watch a whole lot of other games, not near as much as I do the Buccaneers. So I can definitely say that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that we saw in the Super Bowl was the best Buccaneers team we that I've ever seen. <clears throat> now, I'm going to take this a step further. That game, that football team I saw in Super Bowl 55 is the best team that's ever played football. Now I'm good. I know people are like, "What? Come on, you know that's that's taking it too far." No, I'm dead serious. Those guys dominated in every aspect of the game, every aspect of it. And this was going against Kansas City Chiefs, <clears throat> who everybody had as the favorite, who everybody uh, said was the next coming of, you know, the the, the next Tom Brady. You know that right. they were the they were the team that they were unstoppable. That you know you just you know they had the and we even said this they had a great coaching staff. You know their their offense is unstoppable. They got a good defense. You know they just they were what everybody thought of as the penultimate football team. I've watched a lot of football in my life. You know since the the, the first time I remember really watching football was back in the 70s with the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Dallas Cowboys. Now, I remember the Super Bowl, and it was just it was, it was like the greatest thing I ever saw. I'm a game, I was a fan of football right then. I had watched football before, but that was a really special event in my life. And I've watched football consistently ever since. I can honestly say that that football team that was on the field in Super Bowl 55 is the best football team I've ever seen. They were out – they were – incredible incredible and so are you saying they are better than the 2002 tampa bay Buccaneers? oh yeah it, it hurts it hurts my soul to see <laughs> because that that team holds a special place in my heart always will but yeah no there's no doubt about it i mean our our 2002 team was great but not like this not like this i mean this this was this was elite level across the board you know, from top to bottom. And it, it was just, it, it it was like high schoolers playing against professional men is, is what it looked like. This wasn't, this wasn't Kansas City screwing up. You know, we, we made New Orleans Saints look the same way, you know, and I said it, I said New Orleans Saints didn't bring their A game. Mm -mm. We made the Green Bay Packers look this way. And I said it then too. I said, they didn't bring their A game. And when I started saying that in this Kansas City game, I, I went, oh, wait a minute. No, there's no, that's, that's just 
statistically, that's impossible. There's no for, way. For three MVP quarterback-led teams. Yes, Super Bowl-winning teams, yeah. quarterbacks. And, the, and yeah, they've, they've all, all three won mm-hmm. MVPs in the Super Bowl. Two, and they were all teams that everybody expected to beat us. And they were all teams that dominated during the regular season against every other team. You know, I mean, the, the Saints beat us twice. One was a pretty bad smackdown. Yeah. You know, Kansas City rolled over everybody except for the the Raiders, who barely beat them. You know, mm-hmm. and then the team they lost to in the Week 17 was because they put their second stringers in. You know, at Green Bay, what were they, 13-3 and three for the second time in a row? Mm-hmm. No, these are three of the best teams that have ever played football, and we steamrolled them. We made them look silly. And it's because this team is the best team that's ever been on a football field. I could say that. I could say it. Watching this All-22, and once I got it out of my head that, no, it's not that the other team is playing bad. It's just that we're making them look bad. I don't watch enough of other teams – to realize that, hey, you know, this is uh, this is normally what they do, you know. I mean, when I was watching the Kansas City Chiefs, I watched all three of them. I, there's a couple things I came away with. One, Mahomes is terribly inaccurate. You know, he's just not an inaccurate thrower. Uh, it, two, he loves to run. I mean, he's going to scramble out of that pocket no matter what. You know, you, you leave him in there for more than two seconds, he's going to scramble. You know, he reminds me of Jameis Winston. He's just... You know, he's going to feel phantom pressure or he just likes to run. So, and three, he's got absolutely atrocious mechanics. I mean, the guy, the guy's, I don't think he's ever thrown the football the same way twice. You know, but it's part of his game. He likes that pizzazz, you know. Mm -hmm. He likes to be able to run and juke and, you know, that. But that's, that stuff's not consistent. We talked about this in in the last uh, thing. But then you got Tom Brady. Now, this is what I've been watching for a year. The guy's like a robot. He, he throws the football the same way every time. You know, perfect mechanics, feet in the ground, hips placed right, shoulders pointing right, the same motion every time. And he's extremely precise. And he's boring. <laughs> he's boring. He was boring when he was in New England, and he's boring here. But it's that's his job. He's perfected the art of being a quarterback. He's completely precise. His... his his movements are the same every single time. He masters that pocket. He doesn't run around. He doesn't scramble. If he feels pressure, he throws it. You know, it's his job. And his job isn't to run the football. His job is to throw the football. So watching these guys, you know, I with the Kansas City Chiefs, I'm seeing all these bad passes by Mahomes, and he threw some bad passes. And I was like, that's what he does. He's just... He throws bad passes because he's always off balance. You know, he's throwing off his back foot, or most of the time he's in the air when he's doing. He loves Mm -hmm. to jump in the air, twist, and throw it. Well, he's a short guy. So it's like he's got to jump to get on over the line sometimes. uh, Drew Brees don't have to jump. Yeah. But but that's a lot how Mahomes gets a lot of torque on his ball. If you notice when he's running outside the pocket, he would jump in the air as he throws. And while he's in in the air, he'll twist and. So anyhow, so, you know, I'm looking at this and once I got it out of my head, like, no, this, these guys did not bring their A game. You know, this is how they play. 
it dawned on me. I was like, wow, we're, we're playing so good that we make other teams look bad. We look, we make the best teams look bad. Right. Yeah. We make the best teams Cream look bad. Cream of the crop. Yes. And that started happening, you know, after the bye week was when it really started clicking with us. And, you know, we just started getting better and better and better every week. And by the time we got to the Super Bowl, we are the best team that's ever played football. And it's really kind of shocking to me that I, I think I'm the first person that said this, but that nobody else has said this. I mean, it, it, is it just because the narrative is so strong that they went, oh, well, you know, they just won this because of Tom Brady. Uh, Kansas City got dominated because of the offensive line was injured and our defensive line, you know, mm-hmm. did all that. Or the refs. You know, th- is it those narratives that is taking away from the fact that we fielded the best football team that's ever played football? I think there's so many Tom Brady haters that just do not want to admit that he is the GOAT and and it's because of him. Like, there's no other external. It's not Belichick. It's not the refs. Mm, and yeah. there are just so many people that I think just are blinded by their hate that they just can't accept that um, he's the best that's ever been yes. and probably will be. Yeah. Yes. That's probably a large part of it. I mean. Because you can't. You have to admit two things right now. One, Tom Brady is the best football player that's ever lived. Mm-hmm. I mean, just. It may not be exciting, but, I mean, come on. Seven rings and one. I mean, the proof is in the pudding. Yeah. And now they're down to, like, discounting every single one of his Super Bowl victories. And you're like, okay, I can get, like, one. Maybe you can make that argument, but seven? Are you right. crazy? Like, no. there's no one that's even close. No, no. Does anyone no. have more than two? No, he's got more than any franchise. <laughs> I mean, that. Uh, Belichick has got eight Super Bowl rings. He won one with New York. So I think he's the only player alive that has more than Tom Brady. So you know what Tom Brady's doing this year. Mm-hmm. Tom Brady's getting himself another Super Bowl ring. <laughs> uh, and that, that brings me to my second point with Tom Brady. The question is definitively answered. It was Tom Brady, not Bill Belichick. Now, we were split between... You know, with that question, was it Belichick or was it Brady? I was I, like 60-40. Yeah, I, thought, I would have thought it Belichick. was more Belichick, yeah. 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 I think we see now, now, Mm-mm. now, it was like 80-20 maybe. I mean, and you have to, wa- I wonder too, like Belichick is not great with people. Mm-mm. And right. Tom is. Tom's great in the locker room. Yes. So that they might have been the perfect combination. Like... Belichick as far as coaching and then Tom Brady was able to inject that into the locker room. You know, he was kind of a bridge between the players and the coach. I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't even know if Belichick's coaching had anything to do with it. it yeah. Honestly, I would love to now see Tom Brady with like a high school coach <laughs> just to see. Be like, OK, I think he probably excel. I, I well, know. if he's playing high schoolers, yes. Yes, he would. <laughs> Just pull a fan out of the stands and let him be the coach for Tom Brady's football team. And we see how it goes. I think he'd do great. Uh, yeah, Belichick, just it, it, it really surprised me at how, you know, Tom Brady went to a completely different team, different town, different state with a completely different system and dominated. You know, I, it makes me think that Belichick actually held him back a little bit. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. That could be. And uh, – 
BA has alluded to that in the, obviously, you know, in some interviews. He's like, yeah, we let Tommy Tom. We let him coach if he wants to. We let him Mm -hmm. do this and that. So, Yes. And and we've watched a couple of interviews with guys like Sean McCoy. We just watched that one a little bit ago who, you know, they just praised Tom Brady's uh, leadership, but it's his, it's his preparedness. They all say that his preparedness, you know, the guy is constantly working on his craft and he's getting, what would Shady say? He said, uh, he said, even the, even the coaches have to bring their A game because Mm -hmm. Tom Brady is so, uh, precise and expects so much out of everybody. It amazes me how many of the players, and this is kind of a theme throughout all their interviews too, are just kind of like in awe of him. Yeah, they're all kind of like I don't I don't know if starstruck is the right word, but mm-hmm. just he is just so um I, I don't know inspiring or he's just on such a different level that you just have to appreciate with the greatness that you're you're witnessing yes yeah and, and plus there's also the you know you, when you when you come into a room with six super bowl rings mm-hmm. you could be the biggest dorky jerk on the planet <laughs> people are going to be like oh what a great leader <laughs> uh, but no it does seem to be extremely genuine that you know his teammates just really like him and respect the hell out of him mm-hmm. so I, you got, I got to give it all up to Tom Brady. You know, I said 80-20 Belichick, but it's probably, it's probably more like 90 yeah. yeah. I mean, we'll definitely see next year when, you know, let's see what the Patriots do. Uh, that it should be really shocking. Uh, you'll be, you know, just wow. I think it'll blow the, the NFL world away when they realize, no, Belichick didn't have anything to do with any of that stuff. It was all Tom Brady. It's just, it is amazing. I'm, I'm just shocked at what, what, what he did. Now, me and you, we are we conductors of the hype train. The Buccaneers hype train, man, we, you know, we, how long we've been doing this? Five years where we're just, you know, constantly, is it five years, three years? I don't three? I don't know. I've Anyhow, lost count. You know, we're, we always talk about that. We look at the world through Buccaneer colored glasses. Uh, last year, you know, I was saying we were a Super Bowl team. You know, at the conclusion of last year, my thoughts were, we are a playoff level team. I think I said playoff level. And, but the only thing holding us back was Jameis Winston. Now, I love Jameis Winston. I was rooting for Jameis Winston. I wanted him to succeed so bad, but he cost us. And I think I did a couple videos on it, some podcast. I think it was four games, four or five games last year that he specifically three or cost four. us. Yeah. And that was the difference in us going to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. You know, and then Tom Brady comes in. He starts off looking like Jameis Winston, you know, through two interceptions and pick sixes and all this stuff. And I'm like, oh, no. And at the beginning of the year, he was on pace to keep up with Jameis Winston in the interception category. And I'm thinking, oh, no, it's, you know, it wasn't Jameis Winston. It's the system. You know, it's just you can't help but throw interceptions in there. And then it just started going away and going away. And towards the end of the season, we weren't he wasn't throwing any turnovers. Mm-mm. He threw two against uh, – was it New Orleans or Green Bay? He had three. He had three against Green Bay. Okay, three against Green Bay, but they, basically, he was just like throwing punts. it up in the air. Yeah, I he know. was just punting. And, and they uh, couldn't. They only got six points off of three turnovers. Yeah, yeah. The game was over by then. When they first got their first interception, the game was already over, really. And you know, it's just incredible what's he's what he's done. So he came here and he's turned this team into a. 
not just a championship team, but what I feel is the best football team that has ever been on a football field. Now, I know it's it's got to sound weird, but I could definitely say beyond a shadow of a doubt that this is the best football team that I've seen the Buccaneers ever feel. I love the 2002 football team. I love that whole Tony Dungy era. You know, those guys were great. That defense was fantastic. But this is an all-around complete team. Yeah, I mean, the 2002 team, it was the defense, right? right. Yeah. I mean, and, and the offense was, was average, right? Yeah, yeah. About, was it slightly above average? Yeah, average? I'd say it was average. Okay. You know, we had Joe Jervicious and Keyshawn Johnson, <clears throat> decent running game. But, you know, it wasn't, we were not lighting up the, it was a defense, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but, you know, this team is just off the charts, off the charts in every aspect of the game. Uh Anyhow, let, let me let me go through the the all twenty two. Okay, uh, we started off, and this is this is me being egotistical. We had said, you know, I had said what I wanted to see was a lot of press man coverage with two overtime safeties. That's that's you know, like my favorite defense that these guys run. I love to see it. It's selfish because it's, it's a lot easier for me to understand who messes messes up on defense in man coverage than it is in zone, but. Uh, we started off playing that exactly the first whole first series. That's all we did, and I was like, "Whoa!" And this is my ego talking. I don't know who it is on the defensive coaches listening, but I do appreciate that, man. That was a little <laughs> nod to us. <laughs> you know? I mean, to, you I, can call us next time before yeah, the call, game. Call me up, man. I, I, got some, <laughs> I got some plays I can run by you. Uh, but we did a lot of interesting coverages, coverage I haven't seen, not just us do, but ever before. So we threw some interesting stuff at Patrick Mahomes. Uh, we had a couple plays, or quite a few plays, where we had three safeties out there. Now, we've run three safeties before, but never like this. We had three safeties lined up in the backfield or in the, in the back, in safety positions, you know, three, three deep safeties. It's very strange. I've never seen that before. I think I've seen it at college a couple of times, but I don't really watch college football. But, uh, you know, it was just a very strange setup. But we would do stuff out of that, you know. So we'd, we'd rotate it from a three deep to a cover one shell, you know. And it was just, it was just we did some, some crazy stuff in this game, defensive-wise. But uh, the, the, let me get through my notes, and then I'll, I'll talk about my summations with all this stuff. Okay, a JPP was double teamed quite a bit. They definitely targeted him. They would all they had him chipped with a wide receiver, a tight end, or the running back. Constantly. You can't block him with a running back. Yeah, or a tight end. No, they didn't leave of like a like a tight end on him. They were just like it'd be the left tackle and the tight end, you know, or the. They, he was okay. constantly getting chipped. That it was obvious they were targeting. Now they did that uh, to a couple guys. Other times, but with JPP, it was happening no matter what side of the field he was on. So I was mm-hmm. like, "Yeah, they're they're targeting this guy," and and they probably did it. I don't know. I'd say fifteen times, 10, 15 mm-hmm. times. I, I I put a note here to keep track of it, but I didn't. And uh, but every now and then I'd be like, "Oh, there's JPP." Get so I'd write it down, but I wasn't consistent with it. But I had at least ten times. That's the funny part about the double teams. It's like, okay, so you double team JPP, but that means. 
You're leaving Shaq like one on one, or you're leaving Vita one on one, or you're leaving Sue one on one. Like, what are you doing? Yes, and they you they, can't. They played almost exclusively five man protection. Insane. I'm going to get to that here in a little bit. But I mean, it was just I was just like, what the f- these people. <laughs> You know, and when I said they double teamed JPP, they weren't sticking two men on him, but they were having a somebody come over and help, and then release and go out mm-hmm. in in route. Uh, but still, regardless, JPP was the best player on our defense. You know, he made the most plays. I was like, well, how does he do this, man? Is it's insane? It's he insane. he feeds off of humiliating these people. Man. <laughs> He gets stronger the more you pay attention to He's him. Like the Hulk, he <laughs> yeah. gets the stronger he gets. Uh, we were definitely playing with much more energy. I touched on that. Uh, yeah, we we played we played some weird weird stuff on defense. Uh, one time we cover one shell. We had five underneath, and we did that quite a bit too. That was a very strange, very strange formation, but it was quite effective, obviously. Now, I had written down here in the first quarter that Stinny, Steiny? Stinny. 64 Stinny has played great, right? Okay. Then in the second quarter, I had written down uh, 95 has been beating the mess out of Stinny. Oh, no. <laughs> yes. Uh, and they have some players that play good on defense. Uh, 95, uh, Jones, Chris Jones, uh, 54, Damian Williams. And uh, 55, uh, Frank Clark. And 53 played pretty good, too. I mean, they they played. They were the best on the defense. Uh, we'll get to that here in a little bit. <clears throat> Jensen was playing like a madman. He was playing <laughs> super aggressive. I mean, he, was out, he got Frank Clark to punch him in the face. <laughs> got that 15-yard penalty. And then right after that, Frank Clark went after Stinney and hit him in the back of the helmet oh, with a yeah. forearm. I was like, come on, man. They've done interviews with a couple of the offensive linemen. So it was Stinney and then I think Tristan Wirfs this week have been out. And all of them talk about how John or Jensen goes and he bumps all the defensive yeah. guys between the plays <laughs> and it just pisses them off so bad. Like he has this ability just to get under everyone's he skin. He does. Uh, yeah, he was like immediately starting off. He was just aggressive. I think it was the second offensive play. He was out there headbutting guys. <laughs> yeah, he was. Oh man, he was super aggressive. Most I've seen him aggressive all year, and that's saying something because he plays quite aggressive, which is great. He was he was our best offensive lineman too. Uh, he there was so many times where he blocked two guys. You know, just great. He'd block one guy, throw him down, turn around, block another guy. He'd, <laughs> he'd be blocking a guy and see the blitzer come in, and he'd shove the guy he was blocking over to the side and slam the blitzer. You know, he was just – you could tell he was on fire. Uh, their quarterbacks sucked. They were no match for any of our guys. Uh, Breland, Bashard Breland, I love yeah. that guy. I really wanted him with the Buccaneers. He got toasted so bad out there by all, all of our receivers. Yeah, even our tight ends were burning him. But all the cornerbacks were just—they they were no match, no match at all. We had so many open guys. Yeah, because who are you gonna block? Like you know, 
Right, yeah. Who you cover Mike, you're mm-hmm. going to leave Antonio Brown open or Scotty Miller or right, Gronk. Again, goes to my whole thing. This is the best NFL team that's ever been fielded. I mean, look, look at our wide receiving core. You know. <laughs> we could get rid of half of them and we'd still we have still the best gotta, in the league. Yes. It's insane. Look at our tight end room. Come on. Good Lord. You know, I just... Our offensive line. You know, and, and the, to imagine that only one player from our team went to the, the Pro Bowl, was voted in the Pro Bowl. It just goes to show Ridiculous. That these idiots don't know anything about football, and it's a popularity contest. Yeesh. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Aggravates me. Uh, the 54, Damon Wilson. Remember when they, we had the fourth, uh, we were at the goal, and we went for it on fourth down, got yeah. stuffed? That was 100%. 54, Damian Wilson. They got he, play, he played really good. A great tackle. Is it Damian Williams or Wilson? Uh, William, Wilson. Wilson. Uh, well, I've got Wilson written down here. Crap. I don't know. But, okay. but he, anyway. He, he single-handedly stuffed us twice. We did mm. great. We blocked great. We did, everybody did I exactly. I know we had Vita in on that play blocking, right? Twice. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he was the fullback lead, lead blocker on that fourth down play. I think it was fourth down play. Can't remember. But he was, yeah, he was in there twice. And uh, to Damian, Damian Wilson, Damian Williams, I'll find out here in just one second. He, uh, he didn't beat anybody. He just saw what was coming. He read it very well, got in between people, because like I said, our guys blocked everybody they were supposed to. Uh, Damian Wilson, 54. Okay. And uh, he was able to weave in and out and get into a position, make, Excellent stops. Excellent, mm. excellent stops. I mean, that that uh, fourth and one at the goal line, it was a yeah. beautiful stop. And it was all him, 100% him. It wasn't anybody helped him. It was him against the running back. And boom, he, it was just like, wow. That was that was quite impressive. Other than that, they didn't do anything in this game. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, those guys were playing good. And then, like, the second half, they just disappeared. It this team, demoralized. This team got demoralized bad. Uh, let me see. I hear it is about second, halfway through the second quarter. I got Mahomes to throw a lot of bad passes off target. Typical. Uh, Ninety-five. Chris Jones is playing really good, beating the crap out of sixty-four. Steiny. Here it is. That's Steiny. Mm-hmm. Why do I have such a hard time with that? I don't know. Same thing with Jamal. 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 It's those vowels are tricky. Yeah, give me a vowel. Uh, then the the second quarter, about third way through, I've I've got our cornerbacks have stuck to them like glue. This is a huge, huge, huge factor in this game that is overlooked. Our our defensive line played great. You know, we we tore their offensive line up. We chased Patrick Mahomes around, but that would have been of no value if our cornerbacks would have left receivers open back there for Mahomes to throw to. Because that's normally what he does. You know, he likes to run outside the pocket. And we talked about this in the preview podcast. He likes to run out kind of like Ben Roethlisberger and Aaron Rodgers. They they thrive in chaos. So he likes to run outside the pocket and his receivers will start hustling around back there and get open. Patrick Mahomes, like most quarterbacks, they prefer to throw to open receivers, guys that aren't covered. But Patrick Mahomes is more than most. I mean, he's very hesitant to throw into uh, covered guys. Uh, he's not good at it at all. So, you know, when he scrambles, he looks for these guys that are open. If he can't find anybody open, he'll throw it into a covered dude, and it usually doesn't turn out too good for him. But 
we didn't have that. He didn't have that during this game. There was no open dudes, man. I mean, there was a couple times he left a few plays out on the field. Patrick Mahomes did. But, I mean, our secondary played outstanding. And I said this to you when after watching all 22. I said, I have to give more props to our secondary than I do our defensive line. And that shocked the shit out of me. I was like, man, our defensive line played great. But they've been playing great all year. Mm-hmm. You know, our uh, secondary went up against – you know, this prolific offense mm-hmm. and shut them down. I mean, think about all the batted passes you saw. Yeah. You know, think of all the times Patrick Mahomes had to throw the ball away. Mm-hmm. You know, every time he was getting pressured back there, it was because he didn't have anybody to throw it to. I mean, those guys stuck to him like glue. Like glue. And this is so incredible for a few different reasons. Like, look how young these guys are. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, in our secondary. I mean, the oldest guy is what Carlton Davis has been mm-hmm. with the team three like 20, or four years. Isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> and Jordan Whitehead, I think, was drafted the same year. Yeah. So we've got these young guys, no veteran presence back there. Yeah. Yeah. Playing like, Winfield. like that. Yeah. This is his rookie year. Winfield. He's like a vet. Outrageous. Can we just give uh, Jason Light? Some oh, props. Yeah. I want to go back and get the receipts of of that draft. Remember, was it two years ago when he drafted like all secondary? It was like secondary, secondary, secondary. Uh-huh. Uh, and Buck's Twitter was losing its fucking mind yeah. because of this draft. And here we are. They're phenomenal. Yes, they they were they were the reason why we won the Super Bowl. They locked down these excellent receivers. I mean, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, uh, Sammy Watkins. Uh, Michael Hartman. Yeah, I mean, these guys were basically non-factors during this game because of our secondary. The uh, Levante David played excellent. You know, he covered Kelsey a lot, and he had, like, three batted passes. You know, great, great pass defenses. And that's kind of a mismatch to me from my perspective because Kelsey is so big. Mm -hmm. And tough. Yeah. Tough guy. Uh, And we talked about this. You know, when we played them in week 12, Levante David had the worst game I've ever seen him play. And that was the start of that string of games he had where I was like, there's something – something mentally wrong with Levante David. I was worried about him there for a while. You know, and then he, then he came back towards the end of the year. But in week 12 was when I saw it. I was like, what? He's This is not Levante David out there. There's something wrong. And Travis Kelsey basically blew him out of the water, but it wasn't really anything Kelsey did. It was just Levante just wasn't something, – something was going on there. Maybe one day we'll hear what happened. But, uh, no, he didn't do that in this game. I mean, he beat the mess out of Kelsey. And when Kelsey caught the ball, man, Levante was there. You know, people talk about Kelsey, you know, had these dropped passes and all that. Yeah. Yeah, these receivers were worried about getting slaughtered. <laughs> Our guys, we had we had some missed tackles, and we had talked about this as well. You know, missed tackles, they, they really thrive off of yards after the catch. So we've got to tackle well. We had a few missed tackles, but here's the thing. When one guy missed, there was like three guys there to swarm yes. the guy. We they were swarmed. swarming. Yes. I but noticed that during the game. Again, it was the energy. We just had so much yeah. energy. Uh, you know, these guys were swarming to the ball. And it was like it didn't matter if you missed the tackle because there'd be two, three, four, five guys there to make sure to clean up the mess. And so, the, you know, these guys, when they were getting 
they were when they were catching the ball or running it, they were they were they were getting hit. So they were. Yeah, we were out physicaling. Yeah. Them is yes. that a is that much a verb? More, we were much more physical. Is that a word? <laughs> physicaling. 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 <laughs> that like cycling. Yeah. When you're cycling, are you being physical? Mm-hmm. Uh, the the defensive pass interference on Breland that we talked about in the last podcast where we were like, eh, it looked like Evans kind of sold that one. Uh, you know, where Breland's uh, their falling. Their feet got tangled. Or, yeah, okay. Yeah. I follow you. Yeah. That was definitely pass interference. I looked at it from five different angles, every angle I could get it. And uh, as Breland was falling, he reached out and he pushed Mike Evans on the hip. And then as he was going down further... He hit his uh, his uh, right calf, which caused his foot to slam to the ground. And then, and I, I'm not 100% sure about this, his elbow, when it came down, it caught Mike Evans' foot, which caused him to trip. So he, it was definitely pass, defensive pass interference. It didn't look like it at first. I thought Mike was you know, selling it. You know, he was like, oh. Yeah, he's good at that. Yes, he is. Uh, but it was about at that point where their cornerbacks just got completely frustrated. They were so out of sync. They were not communicating with each other. They were yelling at each other after like every play. They were walking around with their heads down. They were just uh, they were just frustrated, just totally out of the game. But their whole team was like that. I mean, we got their whole team completely out of this game yes you could see it on the sideline pat mahomes just looked like the deer in the headlights like mm-hmm. like uh sean mcveigh during the ram super bowl yes when he just got completely outmatched there yes and towards the end of the game travis kelsey quit i've got video of him half-ass running plays uh there was one play where he was supposed to uh chip block somebody he didn't I mean, he just kind of moved his shoulder a little bit. Uh, there was one play where he was uh, supposed to run a, a, a pick play, and he was in perfect position to get in the guy's way, and he actually moved out of the guy's way. What? Yeah, so uh, when, when the play would continue to go on, like Patrick Mahomes would start scrambling, Kelsey would stop. And this is what happened with Levante David in Week 12. You know, Levante David was getting where he was just stopping. He was just standing there in the field. And Levante David never does that. He never just stands mm-hmm. around. And Kelsey was doing this during this game. It was towards the last half of the game. He would, he just gave up. He would run his route, and he would just kind of stand there. And Mahomes would be scrambling around, and, Mah- and Kelsey would stand there. He wasn't trying to get open. You know, it was amazing. I was like, whoa, we have totally just destroyed these guys physically, mentally, every way. If I were a Chiefs fan, I would be living at that. I would be, too. I was thinking about taking some clips and just showing all the times that these Chiefs just gave up, you know, got frustrated and aggravated. And there's so there's so many cl- uh, little videos I could make out of this. Good you know, and that is what is so annoying about all these. Oh, it's the refs, you know, or yeah. oh, it's the offensive line. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, your team quit. Your team sucked. That's what happened. <laughs> like no. y'all lost. It, it wasn't, yeah. you know. Y'all got beat. Y'all got beat. Y'all got beat. Just y'all... take it. Take the L. Yeah, recognize Take it like a up... man. You came Come on. <laughs> You came up against an undefeatable team. There's mm-hmm. nobody in the league 
that's even close to us. And we've got a whole off season to get better. Oh my god! Whoa! Ugh, this is going to be so. Next year, it's going to be it's going to be ridiculous. Uh, okay, so then, then we're moving on to the third quarter. I've got I've got a crap ton of notes from the game, but I'm just trying to zip through this. We're already at 55 minutes. So. Uh, coming out in the third quarter, their offensive line tried to get a little chippy with our defense. You can tell they came out. They probably got yelled at, you know, being aggressive <laughs> enough. So they were like, uh, you know, they come out. They were, you know, all right, we're going to come out and, you know, take over this game and be more physical and all. Yeah, yeah. that lasted one series. <laughs> Uh, they they hit uh, uh, Barrett, you know, knocked him on his butt, you know, after the play. They were doing all this stuff after the play. They were, you know, grabbing mm-hmm. guys and throwing them down. They were just being chippy, you know. Mm-hmm. And like I said, that lasted one series. And then after that, it was like they were like, please stop. <laughs> Don't hurt us anymore. <laughs> we were just kidding. Yeah. We God, didn't we mean it. Beat the mess out of them, guys. Uh, and coming out. The, their defense just looks so discouraged, frustrated after every play. You could see, you know, they just throw their hands up and, you know, uh, get kind of yell at each other. And it was kind of sad to watch, but it was very enjoyable. Not for us, yeah. <laughs> uh, Fournette was just running over people. He ran like, you know, you owed him money. He was – him and <laughs> 27 uh, – Rojo. Rojo, they they ran really really hard. Uh, they were running hard. I said running hard is F. Uh, it, it was taking at least three players to bring them down. I mean, they That's were just crazy. yeah, they were just not. And they were when there wasn't a hole, they would bounce out, you know, to the outside, and you could see all the Chiefs players going, "Oh crap!" Because <laughs> they were like, "Man, we got to get three or four of us over there to tackle him." Shit, and uh, so. That was that was great to see. They just, but again, it goes to. I mean, our running room. Look at our running backs: Fournette, Shady McCoy, and Rojo. You name me three better running backs in the league. You I can't. Can't, can't Fuck. do it. I mean, what? He? How? This is. I don't even. It's just. I'm gonna. There's. We have no weakness on this team, and every position is elite. I wonder if the running backs, too, are taken after the offensive line. You know, the offensive line is so nasty, Mm -hmm. you know, and they're blocking. I mean, they're run blocking. It's just phenomenal. And so you wonder if that kind of rubs off on the running backs, too. (laughs) That's a theory. Yeah. I think all these guys are just really enjoying punching people in the mouth. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. we did in the third quarter from 620 to 333. We had a horrible offensive series. It's the only, only really mistakes we made during the game. Uh, let me see. Uh, Fournette ran great, but Tanner Hudson. That's right. We had Tanner Hudson in mm-hmm. for that series. Uh, man, you know, I really like that guy. And, you know, we are Buccaneer guys through and through. He's a Buccaneer player, so I'm never going to say bench anybody but or fire anybody. But. He has got to step up. He, I think he played – there was at least two plays that I know he was in, and both plays he screwed up. Yeah, he's on the Tiffy video. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let me see. Uh, Tanner Hudson, he missed a, 
the block there. You dropped a pass in the end zone. Well, that's the thing, uh, too. When your room is so stacked, when the tight end room is so stacked, you cannot afford to play like that. Right. Yeah. Right. Like, you're expendable. You are very expendable, very expendable. when you play like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, see, on that series, 18 Johnson uh, missed a block for a tackle. The guy beat him for a tackle. Uh, Marpet was beat by 98. Wharton for a quarterback hit. Uh, oh, that was that was the one. I remember, Godwin jumped up and he caught the ball, but he landed out of bounds on his butt. That was that play. Brady got hit when he threw it, um, and it was because Marpet got beat by ninety eight. And uh, then there was the high snap. So all that happened on one series. Yeah, that was the only bad series we had during this game, and it was nothing that they did except uh, ninety eight beating Marpet. So, you know, it was just us screwing up, you know, which is every game we lost this year, I feel maybe other than the second New Orleans game was just us beating ourselves. You know, I, we, we just didn't get beat this year. But then again, we, well, we haven't really been beat in the past couple of years. You know, it's always been us screwing up, you know, Winston mm-hmm. in particular. Uh, let me see. Then I got written here again. Uh, JPP double teamed a lot. Uh, 54, Dom, David has dominated in coverage on Kelsey. Uh, with five seconds left, 24, Davis clobbers Hill. Okay. Uh, we talked about this as one of the things we wanted to see during the Super Bowl was when Mahomes runs out of the pockets, pocket is to be aggressive with the receivers, you know, mm-hmm. uh, hit them, knock them down, push mm-hmm. them out of bounds. That's the best thing to do, push them out of bounds. Because they're blockers at that point when he's a runner, right. so you can hit them. So you can hit them. But you can't, I mean, you can't hold them, and if he if Mahomes throws the ball while you're doing this, you're going to get penalized because once that ball's in the air, you can't hit them anymore. So, uh, but we did that, you know, and it, it was a lot of was Carlton Davis, and he he took out a little bit of frustration on Hill. <laughs> yeah, he was he was some vengeance. Yeah. I, well, I feel like the whole second the grave diggers they were. Uh... Getting vengeance, they were avenging Carlton Davis's honor that whole game with the, the you know, yeah. with the peace sign. Um, also, and I was talking to Molly about this. You know, I watch these this all these all twenty twos, and every time I play a team, I have to figure out the quarterback snaps. You know, because what I do is I mark it uh, as soon as the ball is snapped is what it. Because I watch every eleven, all eleven players, and what I'll do is I'll watch one player, and then I'll go back to the snap of the ball, and I'll watch this another player, and then I'll go back to the snap of the ball, and I watch it. So anyhow, uh, I end up marking right when the ball is snapped. So in order to save time, I try to figure out tells or whatever to try and figure out when a quarterback is going to snap the ball, and I get pretty good at it. Tom Brady, I'm absolutely horrible at. I can't do it. I can't figure it out. The guy has no predictable cadence or rhythm or structure or anything. He he catches me at least 10 times a game where I go to market. I'll be like, okay, and he's going to snap it now. Oh, dang it. And then I have to <laughs> go rewind, find out where he's going to snap and then market it. So it actually takes me more time. So, and this drives Ralph crazy because his whole life mantra is speed and efficiency. Speed efficiency so if something is not efficient or speedy, he gets very frustrated. <laughs> I get very frustrated. <laughs> it, it does. I mean, even loading the dishwasher is everything. Everything. Uh, it's kind so, of an OCD, I think. Yeah, it is. Uh, it, it's it's curse. 
it because it's it's almost more hurtful than it is helpful at this point in my life. Yeah. Uh, so with Patrick Mahomes, like I said, I watched three years of him, and I got it now to where I can I can predict his snap every single time, every single time without fail. And I know if I can do it, I know these guys can do it. Mm-hmm. They know to look for that stuff, yeah. especially yeah. these veteran guys like Shaq and JPP right. and Sue. Yeah, they they were they were on it. Like as soon as that ball was snapped, you could see them moving. I mean, they were, you know, not going across the line, but they were they were damn near close. And uh, you know, Mahomes changed his style. He had that pendulum arms thing in his first year. And then apparently somebody told him, said, hey, look, it's really easy to tell when you're going to snap the ball because you do the pendulum arms. And then he stopped doing that the second year, but still he's got these tells, and it's 100% every single time. So it, I just thought I'd bring that up. I know our guys were uh, clued in on it too. Okay, going into the fourth quarter, 1405, 24 Davis. Uh, he always, yeah, he shoved 87 Kelsey down in the home <laughs> scrambled. Yeah, knocked him right down. Wow. Right in the end zone. Uh, that, I, that's in the Tiffy videos. I did a little montage of our secondary guys beating up their receivers <laughs> when Mahomes goes out of bounds. Uh, let me see. Yeah, the one time SMB pushed their running back, 31, Damian mm-hmm. Williams, pushed him out of bounds. That's the best thing you can do because that makes them ineligible to catch pass. Mm-hmm. They can't be the first one to touch the ball. Uh, and so SMB did that, pushed him out of bounds, and then just kind of walked away. <laughs> and Williams was open. He was open right in front of the end zone, and SMB wasn't even covering him. He was like five yards away, almost like throw it to him, please, throw it to him. It'll be yeah. a penalty, you know. And uh, he was able to double team Tyreek Hill coming across the center, and it ended up being an incomplete pass, mainly because we had two guys on him. So I mean, it was really beautiful. It was. Masterfully. Do you done. think this is something they were coached to yes. do? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because you could see them watching, mm-hmm. you know, for when Mahomes went out of bounds or went out of the pocket. Uh, let me see. Uh, from 1332 to 1056, starting from our 12. This is in the fourth quarter. We ran five straight runs. Rojo ran it four times. First time was for four yards, seven yards, eight yards, four yards. Then Fournette for four yards. So we got 27 yards, knocked off two minutes and 36 seconds off the clock and in five plays. Starting at our 12, we moved it out to the 40 in two minutes and 37 seconds. Uh, and we could have done that all day. Mm-hmm. We could have marched down the field doing that. They, it was stacked. They knew we were going to run, and they couldn't stop it. They couldn't stop anything we did, and we stopped everything they did. So – the summary of the game, can I get to this real quick? Look, we're over an hour already. Uh, we had much more energy from the get-go. Like I said, watching them the pre-game, our guys were jumping up and down. I mean, like not just like bouncing, but I mean like you know doing these Olympic hurdle jump things. Uh, their cornerbacks and secondary got frustrated quick, uh, torched often, often. I mean, we were there was one time where Jamel Dean got beat by Kelsey in a route. And I, I was sitting there, and I went, "Oh man, Jamel Dean got beat." He got, it was kind of like a kind of a little, a little whip route at the end of Kelsey's uh, turn, 
And it, it almost looked like Kelsey shoved him. I can't really tell. But anyhow, he ended up getting like four yards separation on Jamel Dean. But Jamel Dean's very lanky, and he, he's very uh, – he doesn't look like he's fast or that he can, has closing he's, – he's very awkward looking. And so he's kind of just like jogging behind Kelsey with this four yards in between them. And I'm like – I know if Patrick Mahomes threw that, Jamel Dean could close that gap real quick. The problem is I don't think Patrick Mahomes knows that. <laughs> I think uh, Jamel was trying to bait him into throwing it to Kelsey. And we hadn't talked about that. Yes. Yeah. Bait. We did quite a bit of that. Uh, Levante David did it. He was baiting them to throw it to Kelsey, and he would come up and just knock the ball down. It was great. It was beautiful. Uh, so, yeah. So, I'm sitting there. At first, I'm like, oh, Jamel Dean just got burned. And then I went. Did he? Because <laughs> he Was could that close that gap. Maybe? Yeah, he didn't try to catch up to it. He just kind of jogged behind him, and I was like, "He's wanting him to throw it to Kelsey." So, I was, so anyhow, I'm wa- I'm watching quarterback school, and he brought up that play, and he was like, "Here's one where Mahomes left a open receiver on the field." You know, it happened very rarely, mind you, but you know, I'm sitting there, and I'm like, "What's the quarterback school's name?" What's his real name? J.T. O'Sullivan. J.T. O'Sullivan. Great guy. I love his breakdowns. You want to learn some stuff about football, watch him. And he's talking about how Travis Kelsey was wide open there. Mahomes should have thrown it to him. And I'm like, yeah, now see, that's that's what you get when you don't watch one team's all 22 all the time because I've seen Jamel Dean do that so much where he just closes the gap so quick. You know, and I was like, I think he was baiting there. I don't think he was really beat. You know, because he never got off balance. He didn't look – he wasn't looking at Kelsey. He was looking at Mahomes. So he was, like, kind of – just kind of jogging behind – almost like mm-hmm. a like a, like a, a bobcat chasing <laughs> the prey. You know how they just kind of yeah. go through the weeds? Uh-huh. Uh, but their cornerbacks got torched, like, every play. Every play. We were just torching them. They, they, there was – it was no – there was no match. Uh, their D-line didn't do much. Uh, Clark 55 and 95 Jones did the uh, first half, but nothing in the second half, really. Uh, they were massively outcoached, massively outcoached. Do you think Andy Reid was distracted because of his son? But there's no way. That, I mean, when did that happen? That happened like four days before? Wednesday or Thursday, something like yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, they've, they had already st- installed their offense. They had to have. Yeah. You know, I, I just... I mean, here, here's, here's the weirdest thing. We had talked about this, you know, in our Super Bowl preview that, you know, they're going to throw the kitchen sink at us. Week 12, they threw everything at us except a flea flicker. And this is the one I had to do. Go, go back and look at the Super Bowl against 49ers. They, I mean, they played, they, they had plays that I'd never seen before. It was weird where they'd have three guys in the backfield, they'd spin at the same time before the ball. I mean, just weird stuff all over the place. They didn't do any of that in this game. None. It was like they threw their whole playbook out the window, and they were just like, all right, here's what we're going to do. You just go, and I'm going to throw it to you. That's how I felt the whole <laughs> game plan was. Like very vanilla? Was it vanilla? Yeah. Extremely for them, That for is so sure. weird. Yeah, I mean, they tried some RPOs. We shut them down quicker than shit, though. I mean, it was like week 12, we had a hell of a time with those RPOs. This week, but... They're in the Super Bowl. It was embarrassing how we shut them down. I think we <laughs> no, we did a blueprint for the league. The, the league is looking at us that that Super Bowl and going, oh shit, you know, one, 
mm-hmm. we're gonna have to play these guys next year. Yeah. And and two, wow, we got a lot of learning to do because this was like a master class in coaching and performance. But that that's what I'm saying. It's like every aspect of our team is super is 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 elite. You know, our coaching staff just in this game just showed that. I mean, here's here's what the Kansas City did. This, this seems to be both teams' mentality going into this game was, I am, you know, we're going to try and trick them by not doing what we normally do. That's what both teams did. You know, our defense, we didn't do what we normally did. Uh, our offense, we didn't do what we normally do. Their defense, they didn't do what they normally do. And their offense, they didn't do what they normally do. We, we've all changed what we were. But our changes worked. Their changes were stupid. I don't know what they were thinking. <laughs> I mean, we did, we rushed four, almost the whole game. I think I counted five blitzes, and there were only five-man blitzes. I think once we ran a six-man blitz. Good Lord. How do you even do that? Right. I mean, four against five, so the whole game. Right. Well, that's exactly what we said to do in the preview. We, yeah. We were like, yeah. don't blitz, just run four. Our four will be able to get to Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. We said, don't sure worry enough. about containing him. We didn't. We didn't uh, put a spy on him. <laughs> Although we did, we did our, we worked our defensive line to spy. It was really neat. We would have, no matter which side collapsed the pocket. Because well, <laughs> it happened every time. Because it, it happened every time. Yeah. <laughs> and if it was both sides, then one of the middle guys would prowl the line of scrimmage. They would go down the line of scrimmage in front of Mahomes instead huh. of going towards him. So you'd have two guys chasing Mahomes and you'd have one guy at the line of scrimmage just staring him down right, <laughs> right in front of him. So he couldn't run forward. That, you know, and, you know, if it didn't work, it didn't work. We didn't care. You know, we had, we got guys fast enough to chase him down. And, mm-hmm. you know, we were just, it was, a, it was a masterful game plan. But so we did that. And then, you know, we changed our secondary, our looks a bit. Uh, we ran some coverages. We normally don't run. We even ran coverages. Nobody runs. So, you know, we did that. Now, what they do on defense is they normally blitz the shit out of you. Right, they blitz the hell out of us in week twelve. They do it to everybody, especially when you've got a good quarterback. They're just going to blitz you, blitz you, blitz you. That's what they did. That's what Spagnuolo did to uh, Brady in the Super Bowl. You know, when they beat him, he just blitzed him, blitzed him, blitzed him, blitzed him. They didn't blitz. They didn't blitz hardly at all. And a large part of that was because our offense. What we did is we ran these jumbo packages, and we do that a lot, where we'll we'll put in two tight ends or uh, you know an extra lineman. Uh, in, a, in a tight end or a couple tight end, whatever these jumbo and super jumbo, I call them, where you have three extra blocking, you know, two you have two tight ends and an extra lineman. So we do that a lot, but nowhere near as much as we did in this game. I think I counted 20, 21, 21 times we ran the super jumbo, which means you've got super jumbo, <laughs> right? You've got five, you've got eight blockers, a running back, a quarterback, and one wide receiver. Wow. Yeah, we did that like 20-sometimes, which well, is not our game at all. Do you count like the time when we put Joe Hagan as a receiver? Yes. <laughs> like, what is yeah. that? I know, which was a great, great play. Went right off his helmet. Oh, his well, well, he caught it, and he was turning around to celebrate, and 53 came up and got, got to That was a great play by 53. I'm not going to lie. 53 did great. He could have sold it a little bit better maybe, but you know he was wide open, got the ball in his hands, but 53 turned around and was like, oh, nope. <laughs> uh, so you know we we changed our offense we don't do that you know we're a vertical team you know we like to go downfield we didn't do that this game you know we did uh, a, a very 
protective, heavy, and that might be why they didn't blitz because they really couldn't. We, I mean, we had eight, nine guys blocking. You know, we, how are you going to blitz nine? You'd, you'd have to blitz ten guys. That would leave one guy in coverage. <laughs> so it was it was a good plan on our part. Our shit worked out. Here's what they did on their offense. They said, uh, "Yeah, okay." They're going to expect us to do all these tricky plays and and throw the kitchen sink at them. So we're just not. And that that was the extent of their shit. I don't know what they were thinking. It's like they tried to play our game. You know, they tried all these long vertical routes, these things that developed, and they had five man protection almost the whole game. They didn't. They didn't give their offensive line any help. You know. I know, which is so weird because one, you're going up against a top five defensive line, and two, you're missing two or three of your starters. Yeah, yeah. It was like, a, what are you doing? Yeah, they they were totally outcast. And totally. I get like, you want to, you say you have faith in the guys that you have, and so you kind of want to put your mm. money where your mouth is a little bit. But good God, like, put a tight end on the line or something. Right, right. You would think, I mean, I, I, their mentality seemed to be, we're just going to put it in the hands of Mahomes and let him make the spectacular plays. But he couldn't because we had his receivers blanketed. He's not used to that. You know, he's used to at least one of his guys every time getting wide open and being able to throw it to him. And if he if they're not wide open, you know, he'll zip it in there and, you know, 50% of the time they'll catch the ball. But that didn't happen this game. Because our guys were right there every single time, but they were just massively outcoached, man. Uh, the running backs ran hard defensively. We ran a lot of man with two uh, two safeties. Also ran three safeties a bit. Uh, hardly any blitz. Four and three man rushes. We did a lot of three man rushes. <laughs> well, that's because Vita takes up like two or three guys <laughs> <laughs> by himself. Uh, they chip JPP a lot. Uh, our secondary played excellent, stuck like glue, physical, swarmed. Did not keep a spy on Mahomes. Look, this is all the stuff I just said. Yep. But what if a uh, defensive lineman prowled the line of scrimmage when he scrambled? Uh, their team looked tired, disinterested, frustrated, especially their secondary and wide receivers. Do you think they were just taking it for granted that they were there again? Like they had gotten there last year. They had been there. Yeah, that, I mean, they've had two years of just beating the mess out of people. You know, they, they haven't run into a wood chipper like this. I mean, we just totally demoralize these guys. They, 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 I like that. We're a wood chipper. Yeah, <laughs> wood chippers. Uh, and then, you know, there was Kelsey quit so many times when Mahomes scrambled. Kelsey just stood there. Uh, Jensen was great. Then, one last thing I want to get to. Look, we're at a minute, 20 seconds, or, or an hour 20. Uh, Shaq Barrett. You know, he's up for his uh, contract renewal. We franchised him last year. We'll probably end up franchising Godwin this year. I don't think you could franchise a player two years in a row. Greg Amon said that you can. I didn't think you could. I don't Greg Amon, we'll have to look into yeah, it. But Yeah. I don't know if we'd want to. I don't know how that would affect his morale. But anyhow, we might lose Shaquille Barrett this year. There's actually a really large possibility of that. I want him to stay. I really, really want him to stay. He's a outstanding player, a special, special guy that you're never going to find anybody else like him. 
Sue the same way. I feel like Sue, we need to keep him. I think there's more of a chance we'll keep Sue than we'll be able to keep Barrett to get, you know, Barrett's come out and said he wants to break the bank and deservedly so. The guy, you know, he needs to be making 15, 20 million dollars a year. Uh, but there's a bright side to this. We got a guy on our team, Cam Gill, who when I've seen him play, I haven't seen him make get a lot of snaps. But when the snaps I have seen him get, he's blown me away. He's faster than Barrett, and he's kind of got the same style as Barrett. Very, He looks very, very smart and uh, uh, a lot of moves. You know, he's not throwing the same stuff at you all the time. And so, you know, we've got that. If, you know, Shaq does leave, we've got a potential replacement. He's not going to be as good as Shaq, especially for the first few years. And he's young, too. But he's young, and he's got a lot of energy, and he's extremely fast. I mean, this guy's got to be the fastest defensive end outside linebacker out there. I mean, he's just blazing fast. When he got that, he got a half a sack with Sue. Mm-hmm. He ran all the way around the line and got to Patrick Mahomes. Before Sue got to Patrick Mahomes, <laughs> you know, or about the same time. So, yeah. I mean, he was like twice as fast as Sue. It was just crazy. But he, he's very fast, very good player. So, you know, all is not lost in that aspect. Cam Gill is, seems like he's going to be a very good player. I don't know if we're going to have time to get to the news. We're oh. already at an hour and 20. Okay. Uh, if we zip through it real quick. But yeah. again, I want to reiterate. What you saw in Super Bowl 55 was the best football team that's ever been out on a football field. I, people can argue with me if you want to. I'll, I'm, I'm happy to, to hear anybody else's opinion. Give me some other teams that are better than this. I mean, we faced a Kansas City team that was an offensive juggernaut. We shut them down. Our offense scored at will, basically. And we could have scored a lot more, too, if we wanted to. Uh Tanner Hudson would have caught that pass in the end zone. That would have been it. Yeah. But, you know, we we outcoached them. We outplayed them. We had more energy. We had better skill. And they're looked at as upon as, the, uh, as an elite team. So what's that make us? Makes the, us elitist. the elitist? The <laughs> elitist. <laughs> and I don't, excuse me, I don't think enough people are talking about that. About how great our team is. I know. They keep just shitting on. Uh, yeah, they keep shitting on the victory. It's very frustrating to me. I'm like, no, we kicked their ass. Yeah, yeah, we And did. here's the thing no is that it was that. so boring for everyone but Buccaneers fans because mm-hmm. it was such a beatdown. I think people probably stopped watching it or yeah. comprehending what they were watching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, only diehard football fans watch that or Buccaneer fans. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the same thing happened in 2002 where it was just like it was boring for everybody except for Buccaneer fans because it was just such a beatdown. And that's saying something because, you know, in, in the modern day period here, say probably since about 2000, Super Bowls have been great. The playoffs have been great. Before that, Super Bowls used to be horrible. The, get, the real games used to be the NFC and AFC championships, but the Super Bowls were always blowouts, always. You know, and the past decade, 15 years, 20 years, Super Bowls have been really good games, except for the two Buccaneer games where we just beat the mess out of our opponent. So take, take, take that for what you want. Uh, I'll take it. <laughs> it beats it happening the other way around. Um, I do want to say I do have one stat, and uh, we can skip the news and go over that next time. Uh, uh, yeah, before you go on, as I was referring to earlier, anybody out there, if you've got a team you think is the best team that's ever played 
in NFL, let us know. You know, leave a comment, send us an email, whatever. Because I really want to know. I want to, to, to do what I can to, to boost this up as much as possible. Or, you know, I might be wrong. You know, I mean, there, there might be some teams I'm not thinking of that were really good teams. But just all around the elite like this, I can't think of a team. Can't think mm-hmm. of one. So the Bucks are the first team to with four 30-point games in the postseason. Bam. No team Bam. has ever done that. Uh, we are the first team to beat three Super Bowl MVP quarterbacks in a postseason. Bam. And then Tom Brady was the first player in NFL history with 50 pass touchdowns in a season, including the playoffs, for a Super Bowl champion. Bam. So... There we go. Hmm. The I enjoyed the Tiffy videos very much, Ralph. You did a great job with those. My probably favorite play, which we didn't talk about, was uh, there's a clip of Donovan chipping or hitting somebody with his shoulder, just laying the dude out. <laughs> yeah, I love it when he does that. And it man. was so nonchalant, too. Like, he just did it real <laughs> quick, and then he stood up and was, like, looking around. And the guy's on the ground, right? Mm. Didn't he knock him to the ground? Yeah, I, I think he went down on one knee and yeah, then back up. took but, him off his feet anyway. Yeah. So uh, that was a great play. Love to see Donovan like that. Are you going through uh, news? No, I'm not. We'll just skip it. We'll do it next time. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to wrap this up because we've gone way over. Okay. I Just one note. We are nominated for a Pewdie with the Pewter cast uh, for guest of the year. So if you guys enjoyed us going on there and talking about the Antonio Brown signing and Mr. Brown throwing a bag of dicks at his baby's mama, <laughs> please make sure you go vote for us. That's hilarious. If you like bag of dick stories. Yep. We got you covered. Give us a vote. Oh my God. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh sorry about the rambling going on. You know, we're trying to make up for our slackness in doing these podcasts. Um I hope you enjoyed it. And I honestly, honestly, and I'm not saying this to, you know, uh throw more coal in the hype train here. This is the best this is the best football team I've ever seen. And just it was amazing. It was amazing. Our secondary, especially. I was just amazed at it. what a great job they did. I mean, they were sticking to these guys like glue. They were they were just and the, and these aren't easy guys to stick to. Mm-mm. I mean, I think I counted once, maybe twice, where uh, Hill got open. You know, I mean, it's like you know what? I mean, that's how like fifty passing mm-hmm. plays. It's like good lord, and it was it was really incredible. It was a really incredible performance and. You know, with when you combine it all with everything we did in the playoffs, there's just no, there's no question in my mind that this is the best team that's ever set foot on a football field. Uh, it's, and it's really kind of blowing my mind that it's not talked about more. That everybody's moved on, and even the national media, you know, they're running with these silly narratives that I think are really taken away from what we witnessed. You know, it's mm-hmm. like. So, anyhow, be a hey, Buck fans, man. Be proud. Be proud. Watch that game at least once a week, every every week for the next uh, six months. You deserve it. Sounds good. Yeah. Let's do that. All right, guys. That's going to wrap it up for us. Till next time. Go Bucks. <laughs>